Horror Minute is rated R. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is also rated R. We're going to spend this time discussing the movie in gory detail, and along the road we will talk about some adult content and use some of our favorite swear words. Has anyone really been far, even as decided to use, even go want to do, look more like? Consider yourselves warned. Welcome to Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we discuss the Rocky Horror Picture Show in excruciating detail one minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm your other host, Leandra. And today we're discussing Minute 49 of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Leandra, what happens in Minute 49? I'm glad you asked. It starts with the curtains closing and Frank leaps into Rocky's arms with legs spread. Then there's a zigzag screen wipe. The criminologist appears, seated, fingering his cravat, and looking mildly scandalized. The book is open to a black-and-white scanned image of a comic strip, which one is unknown, and a comic book cover. More info on this later. He says, There are those who say that life is an illusion, and that reality is simply a figment of the imagination. If this is true, then Brad and Janet are quite safe. However, the sudden departure of their host and his creation into the seclusion of his somber bridal suite had left them feeling both apprehensive and uneasy, a feeling which grew as the other guests departed and they were shown to their separate rooms. Then there is a keyhole wipe to a room awash in a red or pink filter. In the foreground, there is a basin of water. To the left, there is a canopy bed with a fringed roof covered in a translucent sheet. And there are several pieces of furniture in the background covered in dust cloths. The doors have windows on them, like they are exterior facing with curtains on the outside and the inside of the frame. Janet is pushed into the room by Columbia, who then throws a satiny robe at the now bewildered Janet who looks at the robe briefly while backing up and bumps into the basin of water, sloshing the contents, startling her. The minute ends with a close-up of a blue television screen scrambling to life, which then is revealed to be Riff and Magenta watching the monitor on the transducer board. On the blue screen, Janet inspects her bedroom, pausing to look directly into the camera, possibly wondering if she is being watched. So what do we think of this minute? Well, really not that much happened in this minute. We have, I guess, confirmation that uh, Frank and Rocky are going to consummate their marriage. And then we find out what's to become of Brad and Janet for the evening. You know, I guess we'll talk about this going forward. But the timeline of this evening is so strange. Yeah, we we started out with some funky timing, even before we mm-hmm. got into the castle. And now that we're in the castle, things are just going at a random and inconsistent pace. Well, but okay. So, first of all, about what time do we think it was when the car got a flat tire? Because... Like, they're going to visit Dr. Scott, presumably not in the middle of the night, right? Uh, So even though it's quite dark, I don't think it could have been too much 
before what I mean, it's dark enough that it has to be evening, but, and we established that, I mean, you know, it's November, so maybe, like, five? Yeah, I think that five makes sense. I mean, Dr. Scott, as far as we know, isn't a vampire, so he's probably a normal old guy who goes to sleep at a reasonable hour, so I feel like five o'clock makes sense, maybe, that they're like, hey, we're gonna come by um, after dinner, because we've got news. Okay. So then they walk a few miles. They sure do. And they arrive at this convention. I'm going to say generously at six. Okay. And then and then time warp happens, which as we know takes like three minutes. But you know, they they get dried off, they get taken upstairs, the lab scene I guess, I mean, I guess all of this mostly happens in real time, so it hasn't been that long at this point. They've been at the castle for maybe an hour now, right? Um, yeah. I think it's roughly in real time. I guess that's fair. I know that the clock chimes at the beginning of Time Warp, and mm-hmm. it is implied that it's very late, based off of how many chimes. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense, unless, I mean, I guess it was... I mean, I don't know how fucking lost they got, but we've seen the map. They're not that far off course, so I don't know. Maybe the clock's wrong. Maybe it's not. If the clock's not wrong, then I'm estimating them at getting to bed at, like, seven for some reason. And then, like, no spoilers, but they're going to- they're getting put to bed and then served dinner later. Hmm. How does that make any sense to anyone? (laughs) So anyway, I just, I wanted to highlight how little sense this makes that they're being sent to bed when, I mean, I think dinner is still a planned thing, or maybe it's just something Magenta decided to do. I feel like Magenta just maybe decided to do this because it seems like (laughs) nobody was prepped for it, and... That's true. But but also, like, Frank did not seem surprised by any of it. I don't know. He seemed to... He seemed... I don't know. We, we, we will talk about this further when we get to dinner scene, but since this is the first minute where they are shown to their separate rooms, I just, I just wanted to talk about it because it doesn't make any sense to me. And again, it it's either... it They either got super far off course or the clock in the castle is wrong because it's either way too late for them to have been visiting dr scott originally or way too early for them to be being put to bed but either way like something doesn't add up it's just one of the one of the great continuity moments in the movie that we we love to attribute to Sue Mary, I guess. Sue's to blame? No. Sue's <laughs> to Mary. Exactly. So, yeah, that's my comment. Okay. Um, I think that much like the rest of time within within Rocky Horror Picture Show, I, I think that there was little to no thought given to whether or not somebody would would try and time this out 
and the the time range between the the beginning of damn it janet to this point is somewhere in the neighborhood of five hours and six days <laughs> yeah so some uh some amount of time in that i can't wait until the the very end when i guess everybody goes back to dr scott's car and and they're like shit what day is it oh i didn't <laughs> call out of work it is now tuesday <laughs> yeah all excellent points yeah i guess did he did he drive like a like a handicap accessible car and just like park it in front of the castle <laughs> like does he just have a car like, like illegally parked out well i guess it wouldn't be illegal but you know i didn't i didn't really see a driveway area besides you know there's all those motorcycles lined up but anyway things to think about yeah i i would like to think that he's he's got a very serviceable vehicle that that accommodates a wheelchair-bound driver in some capacity and although and now we're now i'm really jumping ahead but <laughs> his legs work so i don't know if he has like chronic pain issues or something but he might not need the wheelchair to drive i mean that's possible yeah well at least his right foot works <laughs> so. this just in dr scott has lupus <laughs> fibromyalgia <laughs> I'm not laughing at these ailments it's no, just you're, so funny you're laughing at these ailments no no don't cancel me the only I'll laugh at like chronic Lyme disease that's what he has <laughs> no. he's like he's diagnosed himself with some like rare illness that nobody's gotten forever and everyone's like you're not sick Dr. Scott and he's like no I am I have Jagoff disease <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're we're staying very on track, but these are important things that we need to cover. Now, I also wanted to ask why you think they used a keyhole wipe um, of all of the wipes. Oh, I thought that you were questioning whether or not that actually happened, but you're asking. No, 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 it happened. I have in my notes in all caps, keyhole wipe, but, but I also, like, what what do you think the reasoning was for that particular wipe? Like, yes, they're going to a room, but the same could be said for most scene transitions in the movie, so... I guess they couldn't get the rights to the... And could just spit it out <laughs> like Batman. <laughs> That's true. I I don't know. I think that the person who was in charge of of this portion of the editing really took some some liberties with the wipes and and I can tell that they're having a great time this is this is why yeah certain people shouldn't be allowed to make powerpoint presentations <laughs> well i just think of when homer simpson was editing the dating video for ned flanders and put a star wipe in between everything. <laughs> and Lisa's like, you can use other wipes besides star wipes. And why have hamburger when you can have steak, I think is what he says. 
oh my god, stupid sexy Flanders with his gigantic cock. <laughs> his, his gigantic penis, yep. So, yeah, anyway, that's what I think. But, like, even a star, like, I wouldn't question a star wipe here. I'm just like, I would question I wonder a what star made them wipe? choose. Why a star wipe? Well, because, again, a star wipe works in every situation why I have hamburger when you can have steak. But, uh, like, a keyhole, I'm like, what are they trying to imply with this? You know? It's a key party. <laughs> I mean, basically. Do you think that the Transylvanians were all, like, fucking each other? Do you mean, like, in the universe? Like, at, oh, the, at party. the party. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think the actors were? No, I don't think so. I don't think Peggy Ledger was getting rimmed out by Fran Fullen Whiter. Although, maybe. Yeah, you know, we should ask, um, not that he'll know or want to answer this question, but there's a wonderful gentleman writing a book about Fran Fullen Whiter. We should ask him if he if he knows... Yeah. Oh, it'll be a fly on the wall at that orgy. <laughs> Where were we even headed with this? Oh, the keyhole wipe. Um, <laughs> yes. Obvious. Yeah. Sorry. I can only assume that they were they were told in editing that they were going to separate rooms and the the person who selected that wipe was like, okay, rooms. Rooms have doors. Doors have doorknobs. Some doorknobs have keyholes. <laughs> I'm going to use a keyhole wipe. This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I guess. Especially since they use the exact same room for both Janet and Brad. Oh, spoiler alert. What? Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. So maybe they, maybe they're like, oh no, we have to convey that it's a different one by using a, using a wipe <laughs> and a different wash. Okay. So. Well, Yeah. I I promised that I was going to discuss the comic book that is in the criminologist book right now. So obviously on the left-hand side, we have no idea where that very blurry black and white image of a comic strip is from. Nobody has been able to figure that out. So if somebody listening is a, a comic book aficionado, and and sees that and goes that is definitely from whatever please let us know uh, but i will say that the other side of it the right side of the book it is weird fantasy number 13 it was originally printed by east coast comics in I think it was 1953. Um, the original price was 10 cents. What's in the uh, what's in the Crim book is the 1973 reprint of it, and that is uh, you can tell because it's one dollar instead of the 10 cents. Ridiculous inflation. the The artwork is called The End. And it is by Al Fieldstein. And on the inside of the comic, there's actually a nice little bio about Al Fieldstein. Um, he, he notably also did some work for Mad Magazine and things of a similar tone. Uh, the, the picture depicts a scene from the main story in that comic. 
and the the blurb that I found online about it was in the future humans are sterile and so they attempt to bring some women back from the past but their time platform ends up materializing in the Grand Central Station men's room I don't necessarily understand how this comic book matches any of the dialogue or has anything to do with what's going on in the in the movie do you have any thoughts i don't think it necessarily is connected so somebody just thought this was pretty i i'm sorry to say yeah i mean besides the fact that it's like and it's science fiction you know i guess that's fair Maybe the words, maybe the words weird fantasy, but I don't think anybody like went and looked at the story and connected it. I mean, to me, I mean, maybe, I mean, you know, there's, there's time travel. I guess that could be time warp. I really love that we're spending so much time trying to give a reason for some incredibly unreasonable choices that were made. (laughs) yeah well this is why i'm like probably they just thought it was a cool cover and it fit with the vintage science fiction motif in the movie that's fair but i think i think the fact that it says weird fantasy i mean that you know that has an innuendo in your aspect to it (laughs) exactly (laughs) which is why it made such a great uh such a great callback yeah so so yes oh we didn't um we didn't talk about the the i can make you a man reprise at the end of last not yet i mean that well it technically it technically ends this minute so that was that was part of the business for this minute oh gotcha yeah let's let's rate i can make you a man reprise out of six stars right eight (laughs) you yes but what are we rating the reprise on its own merit as a standalone song i feel like i feel like we should if only because like why do you think i should (laughs) i i think that that's valid if only because like, I'm not going to listen to the reprise right after I've finished the the originating song. Like, it's a different track. That's true. It doesn't even come directly after the original song. But, like, well, it's going to suffer if that's the case, because, I mean... Oh, it shall. <laughs> Well, what's your rating, Leandra? Out of five stars. Out of five stars. Wow, we're doing something new. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that this is maybe not great. It's still not my least favorite song, but I think that it gets like two and a half stars for me just because the, the lyrics are extremely weak within this. However, it benefits from having a lot of really fun vocalizations and non non um word 
reactions from Frank in this. Lots of hoo 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 and <laughs> just shake. Shake. <laughs> Yeah, it it has a lot of good Frank stuff, is all that I was saying. Um, <laughs> listeners, I do want to apologize just a little bit. Um, I have the vid right now, so if I sound a little silly, um, let's blame that. Uh, I also have COVID, which is why I have this kind of husky, sexy voice. But Yeah, I certainly didn't say that we sound like Patty and Selma. <laughs> Let's go with sexy. Yeah. So we both have COVID and I probably gave it to Leandra when we were frauding. So Yeah. Yeah. We did that very friendly open mouth kiss thing that we do. <laughs> yeah, as a joke or as a bit. Yeah. But yeah, I so my thoughts on this song are that I don't even love the movie version of the original song that much so a short reprise where he's basically just naming muscles is not going to get a great score from me <laughs> shake <laughs> but i do like i i love when he goes Ooh, shake when i'm playing frank i really love doing that part oh, it's so good although until you're playing frank you never notice how long that pause is between the like little horse moment and then actually like saying shake because you you face an audience member typically to do the little and then it feels like five full seconds that you're standing there in front of them not doing anything before you can say shake so just a little frank complaint but this song sucks so, is it one and a half stars from me? Is it your least favorite song in this? No, yeah, it isn't because it doesn't actively piss me off like another song that we might discuss soon. Yeah, I think that I think we can both agree that there's one song that is just actively bad. I mean, I remember, I don't know, has, has your opinion changed? There was a time when you thought. When you told me Hot Patootie was your least favorite song in the movie. Yes, when I was a kid, I hated Hot Patootie. Hated it. I thought that it just didn't match the rest of the music. And because of that, like, I've kind of emotionally had trouble appreciating it within the, within the movie. But it's still a good song. Yeah, certainly better than other songs that we might discuss in the future. Yeah. So, another songwriting on the books. Absolutely. Um, I noted that we never get a good view of whatever Janet puts on in this scene. Yes. Because Brad gets what we find out is like a blue kimono because we'll see him in it later, but Janet, I don't know, really, I would be interested to see what it looked like out, out of that, you know, It seem apart from the brief view we get here. It seems like every, every Janet that I know who has something for this usually goes with like a very 
very like soft, slinky, satiny, like pink robe. Something like that. Yeah. And I will I'll be honest, I feel like that's probably screen accurate, but I don't know that I have any sort of receipts on that. Makes sense to me. All I do know is that Sue probably put a lot of effort into making this the most obnoxious choice ever. I mean, Sue Blaine, not Mary. Yeah. Yeah, no, we know who's to blame. Sue's to blame. Yes. Yes. It's Sue. She's to blame. Did we have any pressing crim corrections that we needed to go through? No, I don't think so. Okay. I I know that we have some very, very, very old fan mail that I think that we we have responded to. I guess this is a criminologist minute, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. This is from somebody who signed their letter AM. It is in reference to episode 11. AM says... Hello, what is you guys' opinion on the idea that they are the actual characters of Riff, Magenta, Frank, and Columbia, rather than just double casting, but that they are in the church to st- with the coffin to steal bodies rather than to spy on Brad and Janet? Thank you. Love your show. Uh, that's actually a good point. We talked about, I think, whether we thought it was actually Frank, Magenta, Riff, and Columbia, or if they were just... You know, the actors were just double cast. I think we landed on the idea that it has to be the actual characters because Krim has photos from the wedding in his evidence book zoomed in on them. However, well, first of all, do you you agree with that, right, Leandra? It's been literally years since we recorded (laughs) that and discussed it, but I remember that being where we landed on it. I think that that's fair to... To say, I I know that the spirit of why they did that double casting was originally because they had this whole, we want to have it parallel Wizard of Oz. So we're going to have these mundane people who are later going to be like these very, very big characters that brad and janet meet on their journey but i think that by adding the adding that stuff into the denton affair criminologist book then i mean obviously they went nah they're they're there on purpose (laughs) yeah that or the person who added that to the criminologist book was not just wasn't involved you know Maybe there wasn't great communication between the people who were in charge of these decisions. However, I think given the text of the film, we can assume that it was actually Frank, Magenta, Riff, and Columbia at the wedding. So then we, I remember we had a whole discussion, which is probably what this person's responding to. Of, does this mean that they were somehow planning for Brad and Janet to come there? Stuff like that. But it's a funny idea that they were just there stealing bodies. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. I, I do um, love that idea. I don't know. Well, I mean, spoiler alert, they are cannibals. Oh, yeah. Well, and also, I mean, you know, Frank might need them for his 
Frankenstein experiments. Oh, I just got that. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, well, I was about to say it's not a morgue, so I don't know how many bodies there would be, but I guess they are next to a cemetery. I mean, really, it, it's kind of a fun joke in the film, like, I think that there's even a coffin there, because, you know, it's a wedding, not a funeral. You typically wouldn't have a have a coffin there at the wedding. I mean, one would hope. But yeah. Interesting thought. I think it's as likely as anything, because... As Leandra was saying, I don't think originally the reason that those characters were, or those actors were put into the scene was necessarily to imply that the characters were actually there. At least somebody who was involved in making Krim's book decided that it was the actual characters at the wedding. So. I can appreciate that. Absolutely. So as a retroactive explanation, I think it works as well as anything else. I honestly think it makes more sense than the idea that they were plotting for Brad and Janet to end, to get lost and then have their, I mean, pop their tire and, you know, and walk back to the castle. I mean, that would requ- that's a lot of variables for an evil plan, especially since Brad and Janet didn't really add anything to any of their plans. Yeah, the only thing that I can maybe, like argue is every month they try and get some random normal people to show up to their monthly orgy Transylvanian convention and it just so happened that it was Brad and Janet this month that's true Um, although also like I don't see how like they would have been involved in Brad's decision to go visit Dr. Scott after proposing Janet, unless like, unless like Brad proposed to Janet and then like Riffa Magenta were walking by being like, Oh, you should go visit Dr. Scott. Who said that? Good idea. (laughs) I I feel like this is about as conspiracy theory as like, uh, all that we'd have to do is add MK ultra into this and have like some, (laughs) Uh, some government like mind control going on which i guess kind of follows the later events of the movie that's true yeah so thank you am for writing in i absolutely will email you to let you know that we are finally answering your question let's see how much how much later we're actually responding to this it's not as old as I thought, but still. Well, you wrote us in March. I will send you an email letting you know that we're finally recording an answer to it. So I think what's next on our list is callbacks. Callbacks, yes. There's a lot because there's a criminologist in this minute. There are a lot of neck-related callbacks. So, if I'm just going to go through his dialogue and the neck responses. Oh, well, before that happens, I've heard people say, I say that life is an illusion and reality is simply a figment of the imagination. And then he says, there are those who say that life is an illusion and reality is simply a figment of the imagination. Kind of funny. Uh, 
Also, in response to him saying life is an illusion or figment of the imagination, people will say, like your neck. What other neck ones? A feeling which grew unlike your neck. Unlike your neck. Uh, as the other guests departed and they were shown to their separate rooms and their separate necks, sometimes people will say. Uh, so, kind of funny. Uh, also, when he says, left them feeling both apprehensive and uneasy. Yeah, you can say you can say feeling both repetitive and redundant. Yeah. So, those are kind of funny. And uh, when Janet bumps into the bowl of water... People will say, watch out for the holy water. And then when she gets presumably scalded by it, they say, burns, doesn't it, bitch? So. The the only ones that I wanted to add to that list, because really this is, I think, one of the better minutes for audience participation, at least since... Wow. Well, I'm thinking about how during lab scene there's there are a lot of callbacks but there's there's kind of background noise that that might drown that out this is one of the one of the crim scenes where people often know what to say and a lot of it is fairly funny which i think can't be can't be said of other minutes which is where i'm getting, getting that <laughs> Uh, the uh, the only ones that I want to throw out there are is anyone else having a weird fantasy about watermelon? And that's because the weird fantasy magazine cover if you're just glancing at it, it's got this red kind of orb on it that looks a bit like a uh, like watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> and then an oldie but a goodie Sometimes when you see Janet first go into the room and it's got that pinkish red wash, people go, red room, red room. Or more recently, I've heard people go, pink is for girls, red is for sluts. I also forgot, but uh, before Frank leaps into Rocky's arms, you can say, does Frank give a flying fuck? Oh, yeah. That's something. That's nice. Yeah. But I think those are the major ones that I remember. Oh, when Krim says life is an illusion and reality is a figment of the imagination, the person who originally said that was Jean-Paul Sartre. Oh, true. So that that's the person. The there are those. Good catch. Otherwise, those are all of my notes. Did you have anything else? No. I think we've managed to cover a lot of ground outside of the actual minute that we were supposed to be discussing. Yeah. So So if that's all that we have, I guess we'll end the show the same way we always do with us speaking at the same time. Now, you don't have to go home. You don't have to go home, but you can't. Get the fuck out. Stay here. So get the fuck out. DM me. I'm happy to not shut up about this at any time.